I don't know what's happened, but I keep watching anime. And I think that's a problem. Uh-oh. It might or might not be a problem. It depends. What anime are you watching? Right. Jim, what what you do in your own free time, you know, I, I, I'm not one to judge, you know? Just don't don't force that stuff onto, onto us, don't, you know? Don't force the anime lifestyle onto me. <laughs> so there's, there's a sliding scale, Jim, of whether the anime is acceptable or not, and I will tell you what that sliding scale is once I know which ones you've watched. I, I think they are acceptable. I think I'm still within acceptable parameters, because I'm the kind of person... I talked about this on the, um, the Asking Sterling, a Patriot cast, which is on Patreon. Woo! Um, it's it's a different, just a one-person ramble that goes on for way too fucking long that I host on Patreon. <laughs> and I was talking about that. Um, I think it's because I've been playing Yakuza all of the time now. And that's why my other full-time job is just playing Yakuza games. Um, and I just wanted a more, like, shameless, um, silly, but also maybe a bit serious at times, uh, Japanese entertainment. Um now, the first one I know is acceptable, because even if you don't like anime, you're all right with it. And that's One Punch Man. And that's all right. Oh, yeah. The man who does a singular punch. Yeah. Um, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I really like that. For, for anyone who's unaware, like, the whole premise is just, there's a man who wanted to be the best, like, hero there was, and he then got kind of too good, and now nothing's a challenge for him anymore, and he's a little bit just like... Why should I even make an effort anymore? Because I, uh, yeah, there's no fun and challenge if I can just kill everything in one punch. It works as a great sort of counter to things like Fist of the North Star or Dragon Ball Z, where mm. I have watched them and, and I'm like, well, where's the the thrill of this? Especially Fist of the North Star, you'll just punch them and their head blows up. Where's the challenge? Where's the peril? Yeah, this acknowledges like when when your work isn't a challenge anymore, it can a thing you love might become something you trudge through. Does Spirited Away count as an anime? Because if it does, if it does, then I like anime. <laughs> yeah, Spirit, Spirited Away is an anime. It's uh, one of those Ghibli films. Cool. I've tried to watch anime ever since my teenage years. I've tried to find ones to get into. And that have been ones, you know, I watched Akira way back in the day. And, yeah. And, you know, some of the class, Ninja Scroll, I watched back in the day. I watched that one as well. That That's a good one. <laughs> that one, I think, did a lot of circulation among teenagers. Mm. Um, like when manga VHSs were, like, just passed around in schools oh yeah i bought this like four pack and it had akira ghost in the shell ninja scrolls and urotsuka doji which was very strange <laughs> <laughs> that certainly is a 90s anime primer yeah <laughs> let's just say that 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 was my introduction to a whole genre yeah, yeah. of stuff <laughs> of, of which i have perused um <laughs> I think I rented a Rotten Sucker Dodgy from a blockbuster video, not knowing what was going on. And then I have I had feelings about watching that once it was done. <laughs> I I don't know if I've ever told the story on this podcast of how I got like seriously into anime cuz like growing up I'd watched some like, you know, I'd watched your, I'd watched your Pokémon's and your Dragon Ball Z's and the stuff that was like very popular on like mainstream English telly. Yeah. With it might I might add there that stuff I feel had a much more Japanese flavor than the Japanese cartoons we got in the 80s like Transformers and stuff. Oh. Or maybe that's just my uh, having grown up with it, it didn't feel that way or whatever. Yeah. So it's here's the bit where like I I realized anime as a genre was a thing and got into it, and I love this story. I was like, I must have been fifteen or sixteen, and I went on like a start of the new school year. We went paintballing as like an orientation thing, and there was a girl that I thought was really really cute, and I tried to like start chatting to her. 
turns out she was really into anime and I had no idea really about anime. So I just nodded along and was like, yeah, I totally know what's going on here. Mm. And I then ran to HMV afterwards to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to buy some anime and find out about anime so I can impress this girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I ended up getting really into the anime and completely forgetting about the girl. I was like, fuck (laughs) you. You are not as interesting as anime. You started dating anime instead. Yeah, no, I, I, I was interested in a girl that I ended up accidentally dating anime for a while. <laughs> Honey, I dated the anime. Laura, you are far from the only person who only dates anime. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we should all date anime. I think the world would be a better place if we all stopped trying to date each other as people and all just dated anime. I mean, to be fair, the world would be better if we were not populating it quite so fast, but, you know. <laughs> I... I I managed to get my mum interested in watching at least one anime. Yeah, I got my I got my mum watching Death Note. Oh yeah, my mum fucking loves Death Note. Um, I I got her invested in it because she she ended up reading the separate like standalone with no mystical magical stuff side novel to Death Note and then being like, oh, there's a show about this, and she she watched through Death Note and had a good time with it. Oh. so yeah. Anime's alright. Yeah. The one I've been watching, this is the one I really got into. I've been watching this one constantly now, is um, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. That's oh, also on the Patriot cast. Th- that is a thousand percent your jam. It is exactly, yeah, this is the anime that is made for someone like me who wanted to like anime but couldn't. And then I'm like, mm. oh no, there is anime here that is exactly for me. Yeah, that is like, sometimes it is serious, but half the time it's just... Very, very shiny, overly muscular, slightly effeminate men taking their shirts off and going, I am very glistening, look at my superpowers. Yeah. There's a shitload of it on uh, Netflix all of a sudden. I don't know if they just weren't putting it on the front page before, but... They've done, they've started doing a lot of original stuff. They've been, like, doing Netflix original anime. Yeah, they've got some good stuff. I, I, uh, in terms of, like, animated stuff from, from Japan that is on Netflix, Agretsuko is a really interesting one. It's all like animal, anthropomorphic animal people, but it's basically about someone who has a really boring office job that they hate, and their outlet is singing death metal at karaoke nights. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw the trailer for that one. That that does look adorable. It's it's well worth watching. It's really it's really just heartwarming and empowering and lovely, and also has some really good metal in it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm gonna go through and look for more. I want, I want more of that, like One Punch Man, JoJo, like not taking itself overly seriously. Anime. Yeah. I feel like I'm, 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 str- I'm starting to strike a rich vein here. Mm. Um, I've still got plenty of JoJo to watch. I'm on like the third one now. Although they, they've started doing that stand stuff, which is all a bit too Yu-Gi-Oh for my liking. But uh... oh, they're, they're basically there. Here is my, my, my super, my superpower of the week. Yeah, like my, you know. Let them do the fighting while we stand here looking cool in our big coats, um, which is fine. It's still, but but I miss the the more direct fighting. You just want like a slightly grizzled old man to punch an effeminate man in the face. I mean, I I I want, I want more big man ass. I want more big anime <laughs> man ass. I'm I'm so glad that you know about Dio now. Dio is wonderful. Uh, I knew about Dio for a, like that's actually why I. Because I saw all those It Was Me Dio memes. Yeah. That's part of the reason I watched it, just to see, like, if the rest of it was that, like, over the top. And it was. Uh, and Dio is quite a thing. Quite a, a villain. He, he, lives, he lives up to the meme status he has earned. Yes. Yes, very much so. <laughs> 
I still can't quite get over the fact that a Nazi officer is on the good guys team in the second season. Yeah. I do love the second one. That's my favourite one because uh, that particular JoJo is fantastic. Um, I think all of it's pretty good. Like JoJo is JoJo has earned its right to like be it as long as it has because it's like several seasons in now. It's doing good. Yeah, great soundtrack as well. Oh yeah, great music. Um, but anyway. Uh, my my hope is one day that the Yakuza team can can get hold of JoJo because uh, what they did with Fist of the North Star was damn near perfect. Yeah, if they got that, the human race is over. Like we've peaked, we've reached peak human if Yakuza and JoJo get together. And that brings us around to video games. And and hello, welcome to Podquisition. Yeah, I kind of tuned out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're back. We're back. We, we, we'll, we'll temporarily divorce anime. Um, and, and I'll say hello to Laura. Hello, Laura Kate Dale, author. Hello, I'm here. How are you doing, Jim? I'm all right. I'm all right. I've been watching anime. Um, <laughs> and I'm joined by Gavin. Gavin. Yeah. Gavin. Yeah. I don't know why I keep saying Gavin. Gavin. Hi. Miracle of sound. Hi. Gavin. Hi. Yeah. I, for some reason, I, I, I forgot you were Gavin Dunn and just wanted to call you Gavin Gavin. Uh, <laughs> funny enough... Uh, Gavin is my uh, birth mother's maiden name. Oh. So my fam- my family's name is Gavin on that side. I see. So there you go. That's why I was named what I was named. I think I drew a blank because I don't think I've ever actually just called you by your full name. It's always Gavin Miracle of Sound I called you on here. Yeah. So I don't know why I felt like I had to be more formal today. <laughs> I didn't have to at all. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Podquisition. What, what, we do, what do you want to do? <laughs> What do you want to do today, gang? Just, just, just to warn, I will have to run away at some point, and you're probably going to hear my doorbell ring because we've ordered food, so I have to let the food guy in with the food. How dare you! I understand completely, personally. But I will, I will be quick. <laughs> that is fine. But while you're gone, I will be going. Ha ha, Gavin. Ha ha, Gavin stinks. He's a smelly. I'm just going to do that while you're gone. So that's all right. Smelly, smelly bum bum. Smelly, smelly bum bum, Gavin. That's what I was. Like. Smelly, smelly bum bum. Smelly poo. A smelly poo head. Yeah, and you won't be here, so you won't know we've done it. You, yeah. you won't know we've done it because it'll be when you're gone. <laughs> that's what we call beating the system. Damn it! If only there were some way I could. Listen to your conversation afterwards. Ah, uh, if only. <laughs> uh, no one listens to this. <laughs> no one, no one at all. No one at all. They come for the the anime chat that we're world famous for, and then stop listening after ten minutes. Yeah. Once the anime is done, and they're like, "Oh god, they're talking about games again." To be fair, the anime segment is by far the best part of the podcast. Yes. That's fine. We'll go back to the anime segment. I've been watching that. Uh, what's it called? Uh, My Hero Academia recently. Yeah, is that good? That's surprisingly good. Uh, it 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 bucks some of the trends expected of that kind of just superhero anime school thing. Uh, it's got some amusing writing. I've been enjoying some of the superpowers in it. It had a couple of plot lines where I was like, oh, that was surprisingly like heartfelt and made me feel things. It's pretty all right for one of those kind of shows. Good. Yeah. Cool. Good. Should we talk? Vid- should we talk video games? A bit? <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 do some game chat. I suppose we should probably. Yeah. I mean, 11, 11 minutes in isn't the worst we've ever. That's true. Nah, who's uh, who's got a video game that they're like, I want to talk about this one. I'm uh, I'm gonna leave this to you two this week because I only played more Assassin's Creed Odyssey and <laughs> we already talked about that one. <laughs> Why don't you start us off, Jim? What what you got? All right, 
Have you played The Missing, Laura? Uh, no, I have heard great things about it. I have no idea what it is. Is it, yeah. is it, a, is it Swery's new thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Swery 65's new thing. Is, is this the one that is set in, like, the town where people turn into cats or something? No. No, no, no was that was that a different sweary thing? Yeah, the good life. That's that one. That's still in production. Okay, which one is the missing? The missing. Uh, I'll tell you its full name. Um, uh, that's it. The missing JJ McField and the Island of Memories. Um, it's a side scroller. Like side, I say side scroller. That doesn't tell you anything. It's a, a platform game, puzzle platformer, similar to Abe's Odyssey or Limbo. Uh, Heart of Darkness, that sort of thing. Um, you're a, a girl looking for another girl who who went missing. You got split up. Um, it's got some really nice themes in it about like identity. Um, the I forget the exact uh, disclaimer at the beginning, but it was like this game is made with the belief that nobody is wrong for being who they are, um, and that theme runs through it. Uh, and it's very heartfelt stuff as well. That is a good start for getting me on board with your game. It's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You have my my squishy liberal snowflake heart, <laughs> you know, intrigued. And then it gets all sweary. <laughs> um, one of the things that makes games like Abe's Odyssey, Heart of Darkness, Limbo sort of notorious is death, you know. You often learn that traps are there and how to get around traps by dying horribly in some way, whether you get stabbed by a big pointy spider leg or blown up into kibble or all sorts of things that these games are known for. And The Missing plays with that idea and actually makes that part of the gameplay. Uh, JJ McField, JJ, the, the main character, can survive a lot she survives a lot of punishment up to and including only being a severed head. And the only way you can actually die for good is if the head gets hit. Otherwise, you know, you'll walk into some barbed wire spikes and you'll lose a leg. Um, you might get grabbed by some creepy mechanical spider and it will just pull all your limbs off. And you use those to solve puzzles. A very simple one is, you know, lose an arm, throw it at a crate on a ledge to knock it down. But you'd set yourself on fire to, like, light things. Uh, if she breaks her neck, the whole world turns upside down. And you've just got to drag her sort of broken body to things to get stuff done on the ceiling. It's very gruesome. And they, it's not big on gore. She sort of becomes silhouetted when she takes the damage. But the sounds and the animation leave very you don't need to see the visceral nastiness of it all you don't need to see the blood and guts the animation and the sound does it all and it, it is very morbid it's a very morbid approach to puzzle solving but it is also very arresting sound is often um, more effective than visuals for yeah really mm. making you cringe for violence i was just thinking about that yesterday that scene in kill bill where um the animated scene where she sticks the sword into the guy's chest mm. and you hear the crunching and it's of the bones and it's like ah <laughs> make it stop yeah this game knows how to use sound and not just sound effects um the actor who plays JJ her screaming is blood curdling and it's it feels almost like it's um. I don't. I, it's not parodying, but it kind of reflects the things like Lara Croft 
and the punishment she goes through and everything. Or Hellblade. Yeah, yeah. The 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 screams in that game were very difficult to uh to sit through. Oh yeah. yeah, I couldn't blame anyone for finding that one difficult to get through, especially with how heavy that one is. Um but this one, it, I I think they they it, it would be safe to put some disclaimers on it in that regard in that it physically it is disturbing at times. But the gameplay is clever, the puzzles are logical, it feels less like it's doing it to be salacious and more... It just reflects some of the torture-porny aspects of certain games and very much feels like it's playing off the brutality we often see in these unassuming puzzle platformers. Um, and the story is is quite enthralling indeed. The characters are fantastic and it's got lots of sweary hallmarks. You know, there's a lot of... In all of this dark, foreboding, atmospheric stuff, you know, you'll find a cardboard cutout of a chef with a box of donuts, and then donuts will fly around you and go into you, and then there'll be a little song about um, donuts. Uh, well, not a song, it's just a little jingle. Um, there's a reference to FK in there, of course. Um, long diatribes about movies. A lot of things you've come to expect from Swery's work, uh, but... In terms of accessibility, this is one of his most sensible games. Really, it's a lot more. It's a lot more straight. Like as much as I'm describing the weirdness and and the sort of brutality of it, compared to something like Deadly Premonition or D4 or certainly some of his earlier stuff, um, it's a lot more straightforward. It here's the thing. I love Swery's work. Like seriously, I love his games so often. But his stuff is. A little difficult to get into occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to deny that it's it's weird and esoteric. I was just going... That was exactly the word I was going to... Uh, would you <laughs> yeah, say it's esoteric? It's, yeah. Esoteric is like... It's a, it's a fitting word for his stuff. His stuff is unusual. Yep. I understand if people say Deadly Premonition is shit. Oh, yeah, no. It's one of my favourite games ever. But when someone says it's shit... Sometimes they say it to get a rise out of me, but I'm like, fair enough. Yeah. I can't blame anyone. I love it, and I think it's brilliant, but fair enough. I, I, it, It's the same way I, I feel about, say, D4, the same way I feel about perhaps No More Heroes. I fucking love it, but I recognise that it's kind of shit, and I still love it. <laughs> like, I love it in spite of all the areas where I could go, yeah, I can see you, I can see how you could call that bit shit. Yeah, I can say, yeah, you can call that shit. Love it, but it's a bit shit. And the missing is very different in that regard. Even though a lot of hallmarks are there, it's a lot more upfront and straightforward. Its gameplay is, you know, if you've played Limbo, it's that sort of logical puzzle solving. Is this the kind of thing that I could more more easily recommend to someone who doesn't normally pay, play sweary games than... Uh, an average sweary game. I would say so. Um, I did a impressions video and I did say, like, even if you're not fond of Swery's prior work, this one is so much more accessible. And and the, all of the Swery-isms are more back, like, my dressing than at the forefront. It's, just, it's a very, you know, even if you remove uh, Swery and everything you might preconceive with his work, mm. it is just a very good puzzle platformer yeah cool so yeah yeah highly recommended very atmospheric very touching in places as well it's it's on my list of things to check out because i've heard nothing but positive things about it um it's up there with the other one i want to check which i believe comes out tomorrow is uh 
A return of the Obra Dinn? I just heard of that literally before we started recording. No, this has been like announced for a while. Like it's been known that it's coming for like a year or so. Yeah. But this is this is the new game from the Papers Please uh, team, and oh, yeah. uh, all I know about it is it's set on a boat, and I think that you're it's something to do with doing like taxes or insurance and a boat. I think you're you're assessing something that happened on the ship, and you're trying to work out like what went down yeah something something like that but i've heard nothing but positive things from people so that's that's the other one the one that's on my oh i gotta check out some indie games this week list the art style is very striking it's all sort of black and white very low detail it looks it's sort of it, yeah it looks like a sketch but not in a bad way in a very sort of stylistic way um i've got a screen up here yeah this sort of odds like it's not even like it is black and white in terms of being sort of monochrome but it's more like it's like a a very off-white yeah and this strange sort of gray greeny gray and it makes it look very uh almost like an old newspaper or something yeah sort of sketches on slightly aged paper it's an interesting look yeah yeah um so yeah i want to check that out um i've not played a huge amount of new stuff this week like a lot of my free time this week has been going into um undertale on switch which i finally like properly stuck my time into uh i finished redoing my my true pacifist on that which nice once again i forgot how many absolute moments in that there are that just i kept hitting that switch like video capture button be like oh i fucking forgot about this i got (laughs) god god do this this was really good i forgot about that um and I went and found the Switch exclusive new boss fight in it. Uh, I don't know if you've checked that out yet, Jim. Yeah, I, I, I found that. I love the mechanic they use for it. Yeah. And I love the little bit of extended narrative for a sort of recurring minor character from the main game. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's weird. I, I say weird. Like, it, it's almost a shame that that gameplay is only in one secluded area. I get why. You know, you don't want to overhaul the game completely. Yeah. But it is such a clever little twist on the gameplay. It's the the way I feel about a lot of the, the boss fight mechanics in that game is, this is fantastic. I would totally play a game where I had to do a bunch of this. Yeah. It's almost a shame that some of those mechanics don't last longer. But equally, like, no mechanic ever outstays its welcome in that game. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the kind of trade-off, is some of it I would enjoy playing more of, but there's plenty else, and it's always changing itself up in in fun ways. Yeah. Like, I I think I'd have enjoyed that boss fight to be a little longer, perhaps, because it's the only chance you get to, to do that mechanic, but... It's a really fun little spin on on what you can do in that game. Yeah, uh, it, it is good. It's I, I I think I missed that boss fight the first time around and um, went through it when I was going through True Pacifist. Yeah, this is the, I did the same because if you find the room where it is, it's like, hey, you, you, this looks a bit dodgy. It's probably going to fall off at some point. Uh, you know, when you're near the end of your adventure. And I went back once or twice at certain checkpoints and was like, nope, okay, nope, okay, no, not gone far enough. And then I completed like the neutral ending and went, oh yeah, shit, I forgot to go back to that. Yep, same way. I went and did it like just before going to do the um, Alphys, the Alphys date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, 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 if you pick up the Switch version, like it's well worth going and finding that that 
that boss fight they've added. It's good. Yeah. God, Undertale's a good game. I don't think we've ever said that before. It continues to be a really good game. And a shout out to the people who like to comment by saying Undertale is overrated. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is the bit where, this is where you can do that again. <laughs> Let's have to shout that out every time. Quarantine all your comments here. Um, yeah. I, I did, I did actually do something in Undertale I've never done before. Um, I've never played, I, I've never completed the hard mode demo of Undertale before. Oh, yeah. Which, have, have you gone through this, Jim? I never did. I know how it shakes down. The short version for anyone who's not done it is if you, in Undertale, uh, set your character name to Frisk, uh, you get basically a short hard mode demo for the game that only lasts as long as the end of the uh, the fight with uh, Toriel. And it throws in some like very very difficult end game enemies at you very early on as well as some enemies that don't appear anywhere else in the game like there are unique enemies with unique mechanics that i've never seen before that are in there yeah uh it was not as hideously tough as i had feared I, met, I I had enough money to buy some healing items from the spider area which helped me a lot yeah well i think the way it ends is it's not that hard because it's a joke. Yeah, no, it's clearly not meant to be take, like, taken seriously. I definitely had a challenge with it. Um, even, like, enemies that you fought before have more difficult attacks, and I enjoyed having some additional tough gameplay for that game that, that wasn't I've murdered all my friends. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the thing I'd never actually, like, stuck with before so if you if you never tried that in undertale it was fun it's what it's worth checking out awesome what else have you played jim uh i played another one of those warriors games there's another one is this the one that's on the switch uh i yeah it is on switch i think yeah yeah i uh this is a spin-off where it's dynasty warriors and something else what's the other thing samurai warriors oh samurai warriors okay yeah yeah and they put some greek gods in there now as well except i played the game an entire day and i'm being uh, like quite like more than a working day certainly i mean practically as much as a rockstar working day and didn't get to any of the new characters. I don't know why when they've recycled so many characters like the Dynasty Warriors in there, like those characters are two games old now because they can't use Dynasty Warriors 9 characters because those were shit. So they've gone back two games and those characters have appeared not just in those games but in spin-offs and spin-offs of spin-offs. So I'm sick of them. And the Samurai Warriors characters I think are even older. And I'm kind of tired of them. But from my entire day playing it, those were the only characters unlocking. Um, so I was really fucking tired of them. Yeah. And they, they do some stuff to make it more like, they do this all the time. They, they're a bit like Call of Duty. They will throw in some new gimmicks to try and make you think it's new. Uh, this time around it's magic and magic manifests as just some more attacks that they've made them gimmicky. You hold down a button and press a button instead of just press a button. It's about it. Ah. There's a magic meter. You can only do them so often, but the meter fills up really quickly. Um, and there are now some monsters that will only really take magic damage. They take scratch damage from anything else, except they only really take damage from the strong magic attack, which takes up the whole bar. And even though it refills fairly quickly, it still results in a lot of you just waiting for the bar to fill again so you can hit them again and then avoiding their attacks and doing it again. And it's, 
Omega Force need to realize that they're not from software. And every time they try and make a complicated big fight, they can't do it because it doesn't fit with a simple hack and slash system. Mm. Just stick with like enemy officers. We don't need we don't need hydras like we've had before. We don't need what's it cyclops and griffins in this one. We don't need it. Um, spend your energy making new, better gameplay. <laughs> don't just try and shove more complex ideas into the existing gameplay that doesn't work, that don't work. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's fine. It is fine. Uh, it's not Dynasty Warriors 9, you know. Zhang He has his claws back, so what they did to him no longer applies. <laughs> Although, again, played all day, didn't see him. He takes forever to unlock. Um, so I was, I was mostly playing with characters I didn't care about. Because they determine, you know, the story mode determines who gets unlocked. Mm. So even though there's like dozens and dozens of characters, if they're none of the ones you like or main, you're stuck playing with characters you're not really interested in. Uh. Um, Took me ages to get Nobunaga, who I like well enough. Oh, Nobunaga's good. I know know him. Yeah, Nobunaga's good. um, But none of the new characters I got hold of. Uh, Hearing about Nobunaga has just reminded me, and I'd completely forgotten this existed, do you remember there was that Nobunaga cross Pokemon thing? Yes, I remember. I played a bit of that back in the day, yeah. Yeah, I forgot that existed until just now. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing they did. That's a weird thing that they did. Um, but yeah, this one is, it's it's more, it's more, it's another one. And that's fine. Um, but I I really am at that point now that, unless it's a mainline entry... I, can't, I don't have the time and the inclination to keep playing the same shit. You know what you need is is uh, Dynasty Warriors Battle Royale mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd fix everything. We might get that in about 10 years, seeing as how late to the party they were with Open World. Um, they'll jump on these trends long after they've been trends. Um, so yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. I, I played it all day long with no real rising or lowering of my emotions i was just staring at the screen just it's more of this okay all right they're putting dynasty warriors 8 on the switch soon um then they're i think they're just pretending nine never happened which i'm really really okay with yeah doesn't sound like a problem to me i wouldn't want them to acknowledge what they did did! exactly yeah I presume none of us played Black Ops, did we? No. Honestly, no. I I got I didn't even know it had come out when it came out. Yeah. That's the first time since Call of Duty 3, way back like 11 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. First time that I haven't played the new card and won't. Uh, you, you know what it is? It's exactly what I was saying when we got the news there'd be no single player in this. I just... I really don't care enough to pick it up for just the multiplayer. Yeah. I know I may be a minority. Oh, we are. Yeah. But I, I, I like my single player COD campaigns once a year. I lost interest in multiplayer. I think I've said this before. Like It, it catered so much now to people who only ever play Call of Duty as a game mm-hmm. that I felt alienated. I... I you know, I play it for a bit when it's out, and I'm like, this doesn't, this is not for me anymore. I want to be able to play a limited amount and go, yes, I understand what this year's entry was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't really do that with a multiplayer-only thing. With single player gone, they removed the last thing I care about with Call of Duty anymore. 
And to be fair, the the single player campaigns were kind of getting stale as well. Like, I don't think I finished the last one, the World War Two. I got like 70% in and just felt kind of bored. Oh, I mean, they'd started to get shit. They, they weren't impressive necessarily, but like, it was the one thing you could rely on every year to be like, this will be a polished, big, I will shoot things in a big action movie. And if you just kind of wanted that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely got tired of them. Um, and it's now at the point where I, you know, I used to be able to tell, like, what happened in the campaign of each game. I can't tell you anymore. I don't know what part of what campaign is in what game and what content goes where. It's all just yeah. bled together. Which is a pity because who can forget, like, um, stuff like the prison escape in Black Ops 1 or... Mason, the numbers are, you know, fucking the, the ghillie suit level in Call of Duty 4. Yeah. There were so many really good creative ideas in them. There was definitely an era where they cared more about what they were doing, mm-hmm. like what the content of those stories was, rather than how many set pieces can we wedge together. It's just a production now. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Man, those, those, those Washington levels in Modern Warfare 2 as well, they oh, were amazing. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. So... Other than that, like the only other thing I've been playing, I, I continue to play Pokemon Go this week because they added in the uh, the fourth generation of creatures, so all the the stuff from Diamond and Pearl is starting to trickle in. Means I got my Bidoof now, best Pokemon of Bidoof, gonna gonna kill everything with that fluffy beaver. Amazing. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I realised I said uh... that. Uh, Gavin, how's how's your week with uh, with Assassin's Creed been going? Uh, I fucking i love this game i absolutely love it it's it's like i i actually am surprised i it's i think i like it even more than origins at this point which i liked a lot origins was my second favorite game last year so do you have a sense for like how deep into it you are currently very deep in i'm i'm near the end of the story and I've gotten to the point in the game where you start unlocking things that I never thought they'd actually go there. And I can't really say it because it's a bit spoilery, but there's things to do with ancient Greece that I didn't think would be in this game, but are in this game. And it's so awesome. <laughs> and it it leads to some um, Souls-style boss fights, which are hidden away. And it's just fucking so cool. Every every like time I sit down to play this game, like a new mechanic or a new thing opens out that I never expected to see in it. And I love that. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I I love hunting down the cultists because you have to like find the clues and then figure out where they are and then sneak in and assassinate them, you know, like you did in the first game. And I love that. Yay. I'm glad you're having such a good time with it. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. A uh, couple, couple of, couple of newsy bits we had this week. Uh, so, Call, Call of Duty, the, the Black Ops Four that came out that none of us played. Um, so there was an interesting bit of story about this uh, that happened during the week. A lot of stores were given the go ahead to sell it a day before it's, uh, it, it was available uh, before the release date, because the patch was so huge for people who bought it on disc. So. <laughs> Basically, that game had a mandatory 50 gig patch on day one. 50 gigs. And apparently, I I was told this by someone I was working with today, apparently there's like next to no content actually on the disc. Like the disc has like 200 meg of stuff on it. Like Like pretty much the disc is just, 
here is your installation verification disc that says, yes, you have bought the game. Wow. Pretty much the entire rest of the game was downloaded. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose their logic is no one's going to be playing this game who doesn't have a decent internet connection. Because... Yeah, <laughs> but... but... The disc, the disc is basically just a DRM then. Yeah, pretty. It seems so. Like it's, it's very telling that they had to go to consumers and say, "Hey, hey, hey, stores, uh, you can sell it to people six hours early because they're gonna need that six hours to download the game to be able to fucking <laughs> play it before midnight." That's ridiculous. If you buy a physical release, you expect a physical release. That is yeah. stupid. And and these fifty gig downloads and update files and installation files that take up so much fucking space on your system. That's arrogant, that is. Yeah. And there's only room for so many of them. Arrogant bastards. What was the game last year that literally sold a box with a code in it? Oh, there's a few. Um, I know for uh, the Pokemon Gold and Silver re-releases on 3DS, they sold, like, oh, here's the old Gold and Silver boxes, but it's a code in the box. Yeah, I think Warner Brothers have done it before. Yeah, there's a few that do it. Um, On the other end of that scale... um. This is not confirmed, but there is a Red Dead 2 box art that's uh, floating around from the uh, Japanese release, and it suggests that it's going to be on two discs, which, that's the other side of this coin, is uh, release a game on two discs because it won't fit on one, rather than do a a huge thing. Yeah, well, uh, I'll say this. There ain't no way... Any Call of Duty game needs two discs. No, exactly. No, you know what that Call of Duty needed? Is it needed the developers to go... Um, it's not ready for the time that we're supposed to make it go gold. Maybe we just, maybe we finish the fucking game before we burn millions of discs. Yeah. Or maybe we just throw it all in the bin. Maybe just acknowledge it and go, fuck it, this game is digital only now. Yeah, it's still going to be the biggest selling game of the year. <laughs> oh, well, it's, this is a year with Red Dead Redemption 2, so... Yeah, it's, it's a game with a, it's a year with a Rockstar release. Yeah. It's, yeah, we'll see. But, um. We're going to have yeah. to talk about that, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, uh, Rockstar have tried to walk these claims back a little bit since, but, uh, we, we, we heard from, a, from an interview about Red Dead Redemption 2 that, uh, 100 hour crunch weeks were happening. Yeah. And, uh, all I have to say to that is, mmm. If your game's not ready in time, maybe don't make your employees do 100-hour weeks. Maybe just don't, like, make them do that. Because like, you know what they're developing with that those 100-hour work weeks? Shit like horseball physics. Horseballs, that's what it comes down to. It, it all comes back to horseballs. Yeah, cut out the horseballs so that they can have a weekend off. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there has been an update and a lot of staff have been sharing... Because they were told last night to just say whatever they want. And I'm going to read a couple of tweets from like um, from staff members from Rockstar. Because they're like Polygon have an article about it. Yeah. Um, I haven't worked a hundred hour week in my life. I'm thanked for any overtime I'm asked to do. And it feels like in those circumstances it was just an unfortunate situation. Someone else says my Twitter timeline has been full of guff. I've been at Rockstar for six years and have never worked or been asked to work anywhere remotely close to 100 hours in a week. My question is, how many of those were QA testers? Well, mm. No, these are like um, like designers and artists. Because and... I got quite a few emails from QA testers. Oh, yeah. That while they do suggest, like, here's where I want to be fair. Rockstar embraces crunch at the same level, it seems, as any other company. 
which is mm. to say they do embrace it. They don't hide that. And I don't think it's acceptable anywhere at any level, even if it was just the senior writing team in this situation. 100-hour work weeks are unhealthy. They shouldn't mm. be bragged about like they were. That's irresponsible. Yeah. And fuck crunch. Um, they do say, however, on the QA team, like 60-plus hour, and this comes from s- several corroborating sources here, 60-plus yeah. hour work weeks are fairly normal. Night shifts aren't negotiable. But... Unlike in some other places where they're a QA, they do get um, overtime and stuff like that. Yeah. So they do do this stuff. And that's, I mean, that's not even an open secret. It's open. We know they crunch. And they used to be way worse than they are now. Um, So it's this kind of thing where they're not really... My my problem comes down to the attitude that what Dan Houser said in that interview shares. Yeah. That the ends justify the means. This has been shared by people at CD Projekt Red as well. This is shared by fans of these games that just care about the games and nothing else. Which, you know, you're not an arsehole if you want to play a game and like it. You are an arsehole if you try and justify some of the... the things that went into making it yeah because crunch like i'm not defending crunch i'm just sharing what those people said just to be very clear because i i know what crunch is like i worked in in a hmv for four christmases and you would be doing like 18 days straight with no day off yeah long days and by the end of it you were ready to fucking slam your head through a wall i will i will say the difference there is there is a physical reason why that to some degree needs to happen because there are physical customers coming into store and you cannot go, okay, we'll have Christmas slightly later so that there's more time for those customers to come in. They could just hire extra staff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can, okay, fair. You can hire more people. Correct me there. Um, but like, yeah, what I will say is like, they, Rockstar did try and walk it back and some staff were given permission to talk about the, their things and they did say like, hey, I've never, never worked that. But it it does seem like Certain departments at Rockstar do get pressured to do more crunch than others. Yeah. This is why I always bring it back to QA. Yeah. QA are the ones who are in the the thick of it right now. And it doesn't seem like they were invited to publicly share their thoughts on this. A couple of the ones also said that their crunch on GTA 5 was really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It... It, it seems like, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but my gut says, oh no, we got really bad PR for boasting about 100-hour work weeks. We need to get some good press. Let's find some people who aren't pressured to do crunch and let them talk about how nice it is to work here. It's all a little bit strange like some of the i mean especially when you're saying the senior writing team are working 100 hour work weeks that late into development that's gonna have a knock-on effect that's gonna have and then you know again some of the rumblings from people who weren't allowed to uh speak freely in public um kind of have been saying like yeah it has a knock-on effect how the fuck is that like how is a hundred hour even i balked at that like yeah. <laughs> i'm a workaholic even if it's just for the senior staff and even if they were choosing to do it themselves it's not healthy and it shouldn't be braggable it shouldn't be boasted of yeah i used to do 70 and i had to stop because i was having a nervous breakdown and that and that's 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 as a self-employed person who loves their work, you know. Yeah. I'll be talking about this a bit more on Monday, and I've talked about it on previous Jimquisition episodes as well. Fifty hours is unhealthy. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's it's unhealthy. In fact, there are some studies that suggest even the regular forty hours isn't all that healthy. But once you pass fifty, you get to diminishing returns. P- productivity goes down. People are fucking fatigued. Mm. Um, 
So when they say, yeah, I've seen some people try and justify it with, well, you know, it would take forever to make the game. Would it really impact it that much if productivity is down because you're overworking them? Yeah. It's, it's been proven time and time again that crunch doesn't actually get your game done any faster because people get so exhausted that their work slows down and becomes of poorer quality and requires more fixing after it's done. That's it. You know, humans and their energy, it's a, it's a finite resource. And once you've mind to empty, you've mind to empty. And we have rest periods and sick days and time off so that it doesn't run empty, so it can refill. Even if it's only a single person at Rockstar, you shouldn't be boasting about the fact that they had to work 100 hours a week to get something done. If you're in games media covering the games, you shouldn't then say things like, it looks like that hard work paid off, because it didn't. Because if you're actually harming either your employee's health or just your own health, it hasn't paid off because it ain't fucking Worth it. It's a video game. It probably didn't need the horse balls. Didn't need the horse balls. Out of ten. That's that's what I'm going to score it. Didn't need the horse balls out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a very fine game, and I don't think you should... You know, I'm not going to make you feel guilty for fucking playing it. I mean, most of America's workforce, most of America's workforce is overworked. You wouldn't be able to buy a single product if... Yeah. You know, if you wanted... At this point, you're just sort of choosing the ones that have been more public than others. Um, it's almost like there's no ethical consumption uh, under capitalism. It's almost like that. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like there's no ethical consumption under wink, capitalism. Wink. Yet, yet you engage in capitalism, Jim, oh. on your Skype and your computer and your microphone. Jamie Lee Curtis campaigned against guns, and she has held a gun in a film. Thank you, Fox News. Um, yeah, I mean, th- that's the thing. is this, The system is fucked. And, you know, it could maybe get a bit less fucked if organised workforces weren't demonised in this country. But mm, here we are. Uh, so, other bits of news we had. Uh, since last week, I think it was last week that I joked about the fact that um, at PSX 2017, um, Sony were like, hey... By PSX next year, you won't be asking us about PlayStation name changes anymore. And then they cancelled PSX 2018, and we were all a bit, ha ha ha, that's funny. Actually, I'll 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 give them credit. Uh, they they have announced that PlayStation name changes are finally coming. Fucking years after they probably should have. Yeah. Did you see the disclaimer? Conrad Zimmerman mailed this to me. I don't have to be Gap Meat Lunge anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so there are yeah as. Jim just said there are some disclaimers and caveats with this. There was one that said, like, you might experience bugs if you change your name and you can fix that by not changing your name, more or less. Like, we'll just change your name back and it'll be fine. So, yeah, there's there's some confusion about how this is going on. And I have a theory about what's maybe going on under the hood. So you can change your PSN name and the first time you do it, it'll be free and they'll charge you after that. And... For any game developed, uh, any game released after April of 2018, that name change will be totally fine. You can play with your new PSN name. If you play a game that was released before April 2018, it might still show your old PSN name. Uh, And it might not. It'll be on a game-by-game basis for that stuff. So my... theory of what's actually happening here is I don't think that they're getting rid of your old PSN name and giving you an entirely new one. Uh, Because a big part of this is you can change back to your old PSN name indefinitely. 
Um, so it looks like what they're doing is like taking your existing PSN name and just slapping a sticker over it with a new name on. And perhaps any games developed before like whatever date that they were like, no, you must support our new system in your games. It just doesn't know how to read that label. So it's like, oh, it's your old name, innit? That seems to be the case. It seems like perhaps around April 2018, they updated their developer guidelines to be like, your game has to know how to read this new little sticker we've put on. Yeah. But at the base of it, your old name will still exist there somewhere on your account. Oh, oh, Sony. Some people are like, yeah, that's not a huge deal. It kind of sucks for some people. Like, you know, hands up. I, I'm interested in this angle because I'm a trans person, etc. Um, I had to... Like scrap my 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 original PlayStation Network account and start a new one when I transitioned because I was like, I don't particularly want like this old name to follow me around. It doesn't doesn't line up with my gender as I'm pre- presenting it. That's you know kind of sucky, and that sucks because there were games on that account. There are games that like I I don't have access to because I just started a new account from scratch. Um. And this wouldn't necessarily solve that problem for me. Like, let's say I still had that old account. I could use it for new games, but I would always have looming this worry of someone will find some way to see that, like, tag that exists somewhere on my account that has my old name, and, like, they'll know, and they'll see it. That's why That's why you always name yourself stuff like, I headshot you 1337. <laughs> exactly, but, like, it. it's not a perfect solution. It's... It has its flaws, and your old name will seemingly follow you indefinitely to greater or lesser degrees. But it's something. It's hopefully a step that, like, let's say when the PS5 comes out, every game from the start supports your new name system, and that's fine. But it's like, clearly something's a bit fucked up in their back end that they couldn't just let you change your name. Yeah. <laughs> fucked up in their back end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucked up in the back end when it's Killer Beaver. <laughs> uh, killer Fluffy Beaver. Uh, the only other bit of news I thought was interesting this week. Uh, did either of you see that Nintendo has put an official ROM hack on, on the Switch? Uh, what's, um, what's a ROM hack? It, it's basically like... When it's not done officially by the developers, it's basically where someone will go into a into a old game and basically just tweak some of the numbers and things and like fuck around with the game a bit. And it's like mm. it's basically the same game, but we like tweaked the damage values or did this, that, and the other. Maybe we stuck a different soundtrack in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is it is it is it through ROM hacks, Laura, that people make those crazy bastard hard Mario games? That you used to see. Uh, not all of them, but like some some of those were ROM hacks, yes. Um, so if you go on the Switch's like NES app at the moment, there are two versions of The Legend of Zelda. There is the regular one, and there is The Legend of Zelda Living the Life of Luxury. <laughs> and it's a ROM hack in which you start the game with several items to make your adventure kind of easier. Oh, yes, I played that. Yes, that, now, okay, yeah, I played that. Yeah, you, you you start the adventure with, like, you've got some bombs already and some keys and some of the, a couple of the traversal items, and it basically makes it a bit more open from the start. 
and a bit less like infuriating in the early game. Yeah, like you blaze around with all the those accoutrements I found. Yeah, you can basically it just opens up a lot of the open world so you can go right I can just start exploring as I wish. Yeah. I was confused when I first saw it. I was like, what is this? What is this special thing? And then I had to look it up. Because they don't tell, at least they didn't tell you on the NES itself, maybe on a Switch news post or something. They, they just, they put like a little ribbon on it that has like special or SP or something. Yeah. And I was very confused. I was like, okay, I can tell that this is special, like, because of all the extras, all of the free <laughs> stuff I've been given in the game. Um, but yeah, I went and Googled it, and I didn't see anything about the ROM hack stuff. I just saw that they were doing this special, and they might do some more ones. Well, ROM hack's probably not the right way to talk about it, because they've done it officially, but like it, it feels in that sort of spirit of... It more or less is, yeah. Like, here is the game, but we kind of just fucked around with it a little bit. Yeah, on a practical sense. Yeah, and... They haven't just, like, gone into the inventory and, like, turned on flags to be like, you have these things. You can see already burnt down bushes where, like, they seemingly, like, went and collected these items and then, like, went back to the start and made a save file. And that's what you're getting, I think. It's weird. Um, I, I'm kind of intrigued by it because, like, we, we've talked about, like, being a bit air on that, that NES games app on the Switch, but... If they did more stuff like this, I'd kind of be interested. Like, go back to old games and maybe maybe do some NES Remix style stuff with them. Go like, here is a version of Super Mario Brothers where the gravity is kind of weird. Or, like, shit like that. It's like, okay, okay, if you're gonna change these games around a bit, that might be cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested in that. That actually makes me interested in the, the Nintendo Entertainment System for Switch. Uh, because Lordy knows Solomon's fucking key is not going to bloody do it. It's it's something new for your subscription money, yes. and like that's the first new thing in there. I'm like, give me more of this, please, Nintendo. Now we just have to see how long it is until we get something else like that, because right now it is going how I predicted, with dribs and drabs, when they've got yeah. so many available games, mm -hmm. they could release, you know, three a week, and never get to the like anywhere near the end of it by the time the next console's ready. Yeah. And instead, it's I mean even three a week compared to what they could have. They could throw up hundreds right now and still have many more for release later on. I I, th I think right now the pacing has been three after a month plus a ROM hack. Yeah, and that's just you know it's what I thought it would be, just sparse. Yeah. And so many sports ones. It's like. It's, it feels like these are the ones we couldn't sell on other virtual consoles because there wasn't enough people interested in them. Just dump them here. Here's your free shit, you grasping little bastards. I'm I'm trying to be loud and like loud about my my being happy to see something new on there because I'm like, no, listen, that's what we want. Oh, definitely, that is more like it. You're gonna make us wait. Give give us like some. Give us basically NES remix shit in here. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um. More of those, if I see more of those little SP ribbons, I'll be quite happy. But, yeah. you know, right now I'm still not impressed with the whole thing. I am pleased at that. That was interesting. Yeah. But right now I'm still just not all that impressed. I still just, the only one I, I played with any regularity was, uh, I think I said before, Super Mario Brothers 3. I've jumped, I've jumped a few times into uh, Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario I like. Yeah, Dr. Mario's fun enough. I've always liked that one. Yeah. 
Uh, we got a couple of minutes left before the end of the episode. Are you up for doing a question? Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah, why not? I got one of them. People always ask, why don't we do those anymore? I say, yeah, I got one here. We'll do one of them. Well, if you listen to the on the Patreon feed, right, I, I, I answer 90 fucking minutes of the bastards. In fact, I did two of them. I got three hours of the bastards. But I got time for one more. I did an hour and a half of Q&A stuff about the book on Twitch the other day, yeah. Yeah. How many more things do you need to know, you arseheads? Apparently one, and we're going to answer one question today from uh, Sean Foster. Uh you can you can now get your ashes turned into vinyl records. What? So if yeah, apparently so. Oh. So if if you were to be cremated, what would you like to be your A side and B side on your vinyl record? Hmm. What are like the two tracks you'd like to be like? Yeah, these 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 are me. I am now these two tracks. Oh, the same one I want played at my funeral. I'm alive by the Electric Light Orchestra. Commander Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> you can spend it an eternity as Commander Shepard. <laughs> then that song would literally uh, be the death of you. That's a really difficult question. Running up that hill by Kate Bush, maybe. Yeah, it's it's hard to think of tracks that I would want in that way. Like I've I've got a couple that jump to mind, and they're not like my. They're not tracks that I would say are my favourite tracks, but they're two that I think would work. Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. And then maybe the B-side is like Keep On Writing by Kimia Dawson. Cool. Just two tracks that I, I I think are like very heartfelt, soulful tracks that I'd very much like. Uh. Yeah, it depends. Like, it depends whether you want the, the vinyl to say something about you with its song choices yeah. or whether it's just songs that you enjoy. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. That's why I picked Time Alive. Like, I'm not... It's, it's far from my favourite ELO song. But yeah, my my dead ashes on a record labeled "I'm Alive" with um, the theme tune to the second chapter of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure on the B side, that'd suit me yeah. down to the ground. I fucking I can't. This whole podcast I've had that stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. so good. Like, there, there are tracks that I prefer, but like those are the two where I'm like, ah, I think I think those those is like things that could say something about me after I'm gone. Those yeah. would be nice ones. The East Enders theme tune. <laughs> um, I've always thought um, Always look on the bright side of life and It would be nice Yeah. On on a death vinyl Yeah, That's a classic I haven't watched those films in ages You can't, I don't think you can even get them on Amazon And stuff out here Life, Life of Brian is on Netflix Is it? I know a couple of them are on UK Netflix Yeah I'll see if it's on US Netflix then yeah, I kind of want to go back and watch um, the the meaning of life. I kind of fancy going back and rewatching. That's quite a quite a quite a ride that one. It's yeah. it's the one I remember fondly, yeah. uh, or most fondly. I have to say, Life of Brian was always my favorite one. The Holy Grail, I loved, but the ending is so unbelievably fucking frustrating. That I, I love just... that. <laughs> I love uh, that. It's it's. I love it. I I got I saw yeah. that in a cinema a few years ago, and I was just like, ah. Oh, Oh, that's it's a good film. so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking glorious. Um, actually, to to round out the trifecta, I think uh, Holy Ground might be my favourite one. Yeah. It's certainly if I was given the choice to watch one of the three right now, I would go with Holy Grail again. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> so yeah, I think we we get a Monty Python film each. He's not the Messiah. He's, He's a, a very, very naughty boy. boy. Now piss off. <laughs> uh, is that a good place for us to wrap up? Yeah, yeah. 
I always did like um, John Cleese as the Roman soldier just going, you're fucking nicked. Yeah, oh my God, the scene with Pontius Pilate and his friend Biggest Dickus. Biggest Dickus. Biggest Dickus. <laughs> I have a very good friend named Biggest Dickus. You find it visible. You know what his wife is called? Incontinentia Bottom. Fucking great. And you um, can you can see the actors in that scene are genuinely trying not to laugh, like yeah. really genuinely, like in bits. God, now I want to watch all of them again. Uh, it's oh, been man, years. Now I want to watch that scene again. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll wrap up so we can all get to our Monty Pythons. Yeah. Um, Laura. Me. Author. Me. Novelist. What? Um. I, I can't think of other words for writer right now. Um, how can people see your great stuff, what you do on the internet and all of that, please? Uh, Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. You can find my books that are on the internet. Um, my, my memoir's coming out in July, July next year. You can, you know, I will talk about pre-orders for that in like early 2019 probably. Things I Learned About Mario's Butt is currently up for pre-order and for supporting on Unbound. We're about 40% of the way to our target to, like, fund the book. So if if you're interested, that'll be up for a while. But just get a copy. Get a copy of that book of what he's about butts and has, like, Jim is doing a thing for it. And Justin McElroy, uh, Brian Otano, Max Scoville, a bunch of of other internet people. Greg Miller, Tim Gettys. Zoe Quinn, um, I'm blanking on names. Dodger, there's more people. So, Unbound, things I learned about Mario's butt. Other than that, I'm on a Dice Funk... Uh, I'm on a Dice Funk? I'm on a podcast called Dice Funk. It's a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, and 5. Each season is a self-contained story, so just jump into whichever season you fancy. Uh, I'm also on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a podcast I do with Jane Magnet, where we do silly voices and skits and just try and make each other have a bit of a giggle. I think that's about it. Dodger's awesome. We should get Dodger on this podcast mm. sometime. We should get Dodger on here. Yeah, she's a real, she's a real sweetheart. Oh, she's lovely. She's doing she's doing a thing about butts in my butt book. I was on coffee time with her once. That was cool. I've spoken to her in ages. I told that story about that time I shit myself. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and gavin um musics yes music what you do they're really nice and how can people listen to that and do other things that are related to you you can find all of my songs on youtube under miracle of sound and the thing i'm working on at the moment is a remake of my six-year-old red dead redemption song which was on my first ever miracle of sound album and the difference is insane people have been listening to it people are saying that it's really, really, really good. So it kind of sounds like an Ennio Morricone film score now, this one. And I can't wait to release this because it's so cool. The way you said that, I thought you were going to say it sounds like an Enya song. And I was like, that I want to hear. An Enya song about Red Dead. <laughs> My um, Fallout 4 song kind of sounds like an Enya song. Yeah. Something's never changed. I love Enya. Enya's fucking awesome. Enya's anyway, good. Yeah. Uh, you can also find me on Patreon if you want to help me pay my bills. And if you want to join my private Discord and chat to me and other fans, it's Miracle of Sound on Patreon. I have merch now as well uh, on FanFiber. And you can listen to all my stuff on Spotify and iTunes and all that good stuff. Fucking sweet. Yeah. And as for me, you know how it goes. Um, our merchandise stuff is, um, let's see. All of the stuff finally came in a couple of days ago. We had to sort out a, a new uh, 
card for shipping, new, new sort of bank stuff for shipping. Um, that's all going out. Um, thank you for being patient with that. Like doing it all on our own has been very hard work and we had to sort of, that's part of why we had to do this pre-order and then close the store down for a bit to let us catch up. Um, but there are no problems with it. The merch is all good and everything. it's just taken a little bit longer than we thought it would. Um, and hopefully that's just the first time set up and everything will run smoothly from there. So thank you very No one's been too impatient about that. People have been great about that. Thank you. Um, but I can confirm, I mean, I'm wearing an Estes' Bestest shirt right now. Um, the quality is fantastic to my great relief and joy. Um, and that goes for the pins, the badges, um, the hat. Uh, all of it's great. So... I'm I'm really happy about that, and I just can't wait to get it to people. I'm kind of I'm impatient there because I want people to start getting it and wearing it, and hopefully posting pictures of themselves with it that we can share for social media cred. Um, and that's about it. Um, the other main thing is people on the Patreon can ask questions for asking Sterling, which is a podcast separate from this feed. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't hear it if you're not a patron. You can hear it, but it is over there on the Patreon page. Because um, I felt bad about, because I, I don't like, uh, I've, I've talked about this before, I don't like paywalling my content, but I feel bad not letting the patrons have something as a thank you. Yeah. So they can ask questions, so they get just that bit of extra interactivity, but none of the content's gated off. Um, and that's worked out really well. I have to get the door. Oh, he's got to get the door for food. We're just wrapping up anyway, yeah. Um, so all that remains to be said is goodbye, I guess. No buys for Gavin, because he's a, he's a smelly poo face. Smelly, smelly bum bum. Ah. Got a poo head. I, seen, I saw his head made of poo. Um, I'm glad we got a chance to call him a smelly poo head. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was really... Just finishing off the podcast. We'll be right back. Oh, God. Quick, quick. Oh, God, the smelly poo head's coming hide, back. Quick, hide shush. the cigarette. Ah, ah. Oh, sorry about that. It's all right. We're just saying bye. We weren't smoking and calling you a smelly poo head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's clear all this smoke out. Um, Yeah, we're all saying bye now, and then you can go eat your food. Bye! Bye!